Liran Hirschkorn, your host of the e-commerce mindset podcast. And if you are watching this on YouTube, um, you can see this episode on YouTube as well under the Incrementum Digital uh, channel. In this episode, uh, I have a great conversation. I just finished it with Paul Raffleson. Paul is an attorney who um, last year did over $200 million of deals um, representing sellers in selling their businesses, uh, a lot to aggregators. He also has uh, helped sellers with suspensions and um, uh, arbitration against Amazon and sales tax issues um, and a variety of, uh, of legal matters. Um, and we spoke about uh, what's been happening in terms of uh, people selling their business, the, uh, the multiples and how they've changed from last year to now and what the current environment uh, looks like, as well as some interesting things that are happening with Amazon, like Amazon Buy with Prime and his thoughts on sort of um, why Amazon is uh, going into that. And I think you'll find that uh, interesting. This episode is sponsored by IncrementumDigital.com and Incrementum Digital. We help you scale your brand with Amazon advertising, DSP, Google ads to Amazon, listing optimization, influencer marketing, um, and seller operations. You can reach out at IncrementumDigital.com. And this episode is also sponsored by 8Fig. 8Fig uh, is the best opportunity to get growth capital, uh, the most flexible solution in the market for e-commerce sellers. I think now, especially that uh, that uh, multiples have come down from about uh, six to seven X to two uh, X, uh, you have a lot more incentive to actually scale your business now. I think the multiples will move up slightly from where they are um, towards the next, the beginning of next year, I think when aggregators stabilize a, a little bit more and get their operations and we'll start buying again because they're seeing multiples down again, there'll be more competition. But right now, I think the best thing to do is scale your business. 8fig.co helps you get growth capital and supply chain planning tools so that you can scale your business. Uh, visit 8fig.co, incrementumdigital.com and enjoy this episode with Paul Raffleson. Okay, so uh, happy to be uh, on talking to Paul Raffleson. Uh, Paul Raffleson is an attorney with uh, the uh, Raffleson Law Firm, um, ecomattorneys.com, uh, also with uh, Seller Basics, which we could talk uh, a little bit more about uh, later on in the conversation. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of hit the record button as we were starting to talk a little bit before the podcast. Uh, Paul asked me how things are doing, and I mentioned, you know, um, you know, dealing lately a little bit with, uh, you know, sellers that are, that are down this year um, and that are experiencing, uh, I would say, a little bit uh, tougher times um, this year. And I, I think you said sort of the word on the street is that if you're, if you're down less than 10%, uh, you're, you're doing well. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I've been hearing. It's, it's, it's not a lot of not a lot of our clients, you know, our firm is, you know, hyper-focused on Amazon. We, you know, we have thousands of clients over the years who've, who've sold on Amazon. So it's, you know, yeah. I mean, that's just sort of the sentiment that we're hearing. Um, and we're, last time I was on your podcast, you know, we were talking about, you know, we were, we were at sort of the height of what I kind of even said in some of my posts on Facebook, like, you know, it was kind of like this aggregator bubble, like what, what's going on here? People are getting these crazy multiples and it was just every, every month the multiples were changing. And, and I even remember after your podcast, like the muscles went up, you know, I was giving like my kind of approximation and, and, and it very quickly grew from there and it got, it got bigger. So having sort of the busiest year, we did like $200 million in aggregator deals last year, right? 
And so we're paying clients because we've got clients who have earnouts and they're not necessarily hitting the targets that they were expecting. You know, these that's why we always preach like, don't don't rely on that. That's not real right. money, you know. Right. Um, so you can go back and listen to that old podcast and 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 hear me say it. And it's exactly the kind of thing. It's it's just that um, so we're we're paying special attention. That's what we're seeing. We're just seeing that people are not the, the, these things they call them stability payments, which are supposed to be like these low-hanging fruit payments, like you know, an extra one X. All you got to do is kind of like same as last year. It's like a low-hanging fruit. They're not even getting, you know, those are falling apart. Um, that's the market. I mean, it's 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 a little scary. And 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 where we had we were heading before we press record, what I thought was interesting is just kind of reminiscing and thinking, not reminiscing, but just sort of thinking like, you know, I, I was an Amazon seller like a long, long time ago. I was never a big Amazon seller, but you know, I was paying for school. I was selling like DVDs and stuff. This is like early 2000, like three, mm -hmm. four, five. And it was eBay, half.com. There were other sites. Amazon was even my primary when I started. So I kind of, you know, I've been paying attention to Amazon for a long time. And, but FBA, like the, the industry that, that Amazon selling has become, you know, the, the, the today hasn't really been through an economic downturn. And it's, you know, looking at what's going on in the market, this is kind of like the first one, right? This is the first, you know, and then there's COVID, the COVID started out that way but then it ended up kind of doing a quick you know spike up in the other direction so i mean i don't really count covid because a lot of you know we remember the covid pop the covid bubble right, right? like people were doing really well um yeah. this is really kind of the first time where we're seeing you know we you see a world where where you know the government is pretty much clear that they want to crash the market they need to raise interest rates they need to hedge inflation um and, you know it's it's causing turmoil in the markets you've got record high gas prices you've got war you know buying habits and consumer habits are going to change and then coming out of a pandemic um you've got this you know people are more driven by experience right they like people right. are kind of over things they want to experience things so if your business isn't really geared towards that right you know like home goods is definitely not the market it was back in the day right, right. it's kind of gone the other direction Right, home goods are you know everything that really did so well during COVID, right? Toys, arts and crafts, uh, puzzles, at-home fitness products. Now people want to no, they want to go out and go to the gym again. Uh, they yeah. want to they want to see people. They want to go to events, like you said. And um, you know the COVID sort of boom. You know during COVID, we were like, wow, you know e-commerce is, and it was easy to get caught up in that. Well, e-commerce has moved you know ten years forward. Well, now it's kind of back to, I think, the same trajectory that it was without COVID. And it's just that people were spending, you know, people were spending money on products because they couldn't do anything else. You couldn't go out to a concert. You couldn't send your kids to dance class. So you bought them stuff. Uh, and, and they were getting money from, from the government. I'm not being political here, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's a fact, right? Like you were right. getting more money. People were sometimes making more money just sitting at home than, than, than you know, working a job that you know might have been minimum wage. I mean, it was right. it was. I'm not again. Not I don't want to get into any of the politics of this. I'm just saying that you know, economically, yep. you know, people there was a wealth effect. And yes, and you know, with nothing to do. What did everyone do? What did everyone do with those? You know, did everyone use the EIDL money uh, and all that stuff the way just for their business or you know the the way they they should have, etc. Probably not, right? Um, I know somebody that bought, uh, I know somebody that bought an apartment under their business, you know, with, uh, e EIDL money and using it for business, yeah. business purposes, I mean, you know, um, I love all those, uh, I loved all those cases of like, you know, especially in Florida, right. Of like the guy that gets the, 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 the payday relief, the, what was it called? The, um, PVP loan. 
and yeah. like you know, he gets like ten Lambos, and you know, didn't think he was gonna get caught. You right. Know? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's you know, nuts. That's, that's another you know sort of thing that's happening in, in the market. So so what's happened? You know, you you said two hundred two hundred million dollars of deals last year with aggregators. So just to make it clear for those listening, Paul is uh, is doing the legal work, um, representing the the seller. Um, and helping them structure the deal and negotiate and make sure that they're not getting, uh, let's say, screwed over um, mm-hmm. through some things in a contract that uh, you might think happened, but actually have a very small percentage of happening or ways that your earnout could be taken or ways that you could be sued um, yeah. if the performance of the, of the brand doesn't continue. Um, so what's kind of happened, you know, in terms of the multiples that you're seeing from last year, kind of the height of things, where were the multiples? Let's talk about a business that does, you know, I don't know, five hundred thousand in profit uh, to a million dollars in profit a year. That does maybe, you know, three to six million in sales. Um, where are the multiples, and like, what are they now? And like, are you seeing deals happening right now? Sure. Um, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot there, and you're absolutely right. Like, you know, my role as lawyer, I kind of say I'm just reporting what I see, and Last year, you know, we saw many, many letters of intent across my desk every week. It was, it was, I had the craziest year of my life last year. I, I, I mean, November, December, especially because everybody thought taxes were going to go up. So everyone was pushing right. like, you know, I, you know, we usually sort of slot deals, you know, in a given month, like, okay, we, we're getting the LOI today, then we expect to be closed by this point. But then like, you know, come November, it's like, everyone wants to be done by the end of the year. You know, you're getting the LOI on Thanksgiving. It's like, we want to be done by December before Christmas. And it's like, it's just, you know, but you're kind of slotted against all the other people. So we, we had an actual storm coming into December. I mean, it was, it was really nuts. Um, and um, at that time, you know, what we're focused on is like, like, we're just seeing the data, right? I'm not, I'm just reporting what I see. And we're being hired not to get you the best price, not to, you know, but the best terms. And it's right. and a lot of it's to protect you from moments like this, because you're right. I mean, a lot of brokers, they don't like the lawyers, a lot of, you know, because you're, 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 like, you're killing their deal. That's what they're afraid of. And I right. will say our close rate is very high. It was actually right. extremely high. But I mean, that's the fear, right? A good right. lawyer who actually looks out for the seller. And I will say, sometimes we're the only person in the transaction looking out for the client, including the client themselves, because they're right. sort of, they get this, I'm on a beach mindset. I'm already on the beach. I don't, right. I don't care. Just give me a piece of paper to sign. But what you're not thinking about is like the scenario we're in today is sort of like proof that what we do is justified because we're trying to protect you. We don't want economic downturns to be turned into blame because what the aggregators what the aggregators sort of or what each aggregator is trying to sell you on and trying to differentiate on is hey you know we are we buy build and grow brands right we boost brands we right like we are the experts we're going to take your brand we have a lot more scale a lot more money we're going to take your brand and we're going to take it to the next level and sort of based on that promise, you'll get to participate in the upside while you're sitting on the beach. Um, the reality is, though, um, and especially with the environment we're in, um, it's uh, I, I think there are scenarios probably where that has happened, but there's probably also a lot of scenarios where that it's, hasn't happened. It's such a it, it's such a perfect storm environment right now. I mean, so many things happen. I mean, for one, you know that that was sort of Thrasio's right, pitch, right? We know this because there's a lawsuit that's public record between Boost and Thrasio. I know exactly what Thrasio was selling this concept that give me your listing, give me a tired old, whatever listing you want. And it's like, we have a gonculator, we have a system. And what is that lawsuit, uh, Paul? Maybe you can touch on it. So from what I originally saw, 
there was an employee from Thrasher that went over to Boosted and and Thrasher claimed it wasn't an employee. It was, I think it was one of the invest. It was it was one oh, of the investors. Okay. That one okay. of the investors in the you know one of their uh, I don't know if it was one of their original uh, private equity firms. I guess had access to their pitch deck and in their pitch deck they're claiming this pitch deck you know described our proprietary method. So I look I liken it to like. Um, you know, what's our secret sauce? Or if you, if, if you, and, and the way Thrasio sort of explains it is, is it's almost like when you watch CNBC and you see stock footage of like the Ford assembly plant and you see the car going through different stages right. and they're sort of saying like, we can take any brand and run it through this process. And then within, you know, a set number of time, we're up by X percent. And, and by within a year, we might be triple for, you know, 300%. And that was sort of what the pitch deck was about. And they're saying, hey, this is our trade. This is our trade secret, this is proprietary. And somebody who saw that and had access to the private data room that was supposed to be under an NDA took the, took the information from there and started Boosted Commerce. Hmm. Um, I don't want to comment on the, on the right. because I've worked with both and I, I just don't, you know, and I kind of think it's a little bit of an advertising because I noticed like it was a very self-serving complaint when I read it where Thrash was like, our earnout payout rate is like the highest ever. We always pay our earnouts or almost, you know, it just almost seemed like. You know, what was the point of this? And and I, I don't know. It's just it's just um, you know you can't help but laugh at the name boosted though. I mean it is it is funny, but I mean I you know I like boosted. I, like they're all fine. Like they yeah, all do they're, their thing. They're, they're good good people there. I know I know some. Of, and some yeah, of we've done deals with them. We've done with Frat. So I don't want to right. comment on the lit litigation and whatever. And, and in, in, in fairness, right? Like this is a very challenging environment for sellers too, right? I mean, aggregators yeah. and sellers, right? So. The but fact I, but that I, you may not be able to deliver on the growth, um, you know, it's a, it is a challenging environment. You know, I wouldn't say. But I also think like, this vindicates a little bit. You know, one could right. argue that this could vindicate boosted a little bit and saying, like, you know what, Thrasio, your underlying theory was not only like weak, but it's it's actually wrong, because I think what we notice in the trend, and I know I'm not answering the original question you asked me, but we're kind of digging into some interesting groundwork, yes. but is that the mechanism? Like when we were doing deals, like in 2019 and 2018, like like they literally did not want the seller. They're like, we got this, right? This is our system. We know right. how to do it better than you do. Even right. though we don't have any Amazon operators in our team or we don't really have, know what, you know, but we think we can figure it. How hard could it be, right? They, they really underestimated right. the, how important the seller is and the right. passion when and the seller again, brings their passion. Let's, to play the devil's advocate side, um, no supply chain issues, 2018. No, yeah, you know, $3,500, $3,000 exactly. $3, for, right. for a container. Uh, right. you know, like, man, life was good, right? Like, uh, it, it was, it was, it was in a sense easier, but at the same time, yes, I think the aggregators did underestimate the grit, How hard it is. The grit yes. that sellers have in fighting every day with Amazon, yes. with the Chinese sellers, with each other, everything. Right. And they didn't have the manpower to, to, to look at all the brands that, you know, and they were prioritizing brands like that's something you know we look into when pronounce like did you deprioritize because you didn't right. have enough money to spend on I mean, how, how, I mean did uh, I mean the sellers have a case you know to say hey um I I should take you to to legal action here because you didn't prioritize my brand or you know you didn't give it what you should have given it I mean would would it be a very difficult case to go try to win that earn out money? Yeah, it's going to be a hard case. I mean, it's, it's even if the contract is, is favorable to you, I mean, this is the most expensive complex. So you have to have a pretty significant earn out, right? So either you're doing right. it as a class and most of these agreements have arbitration, you know, it's pretty Plus. common and usually arbitration is to your benefit because like you really don't want expensive, especially if they're suing you, right? Right. Um, 
And that's kind of what we tell our clients, like, like no matter how well written the earnout provisions are, like the court, is, if you're going to spend, you know, a half a million dollars in litigation fees, you're not going to pay that to me because we're not a high heavy right. litigation firm, right? You're going to pay right. it to litigating, the litigators. If you have to spend that much money for a chance to get the money, and right. then if you lose, you got to pay their half right. a million legal fees. It's got to it's, it's be a, you know, it's got to be a big, you know. Multi multi millions of dollars, right? Exactly, and so when you know, right? And we did deals of all sizes. So you had some deals where the earnouts were, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. Somewhere it was in, you know, that range. Where yes, you know, in the millions or tens of millions. So it could be, but but yeah. So what we call that in the law is a negative value claim, right? Like it's 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 we cost it's the cost of litigation outweighs the potential benefit, right? right? When you just look at the numbers. So that's kind of the, and I always say that's sort of the organic moat that they have against you suing them is that, you know, they have all the power. Once yeah. you once you go into the closing table to them, with them, they have all the leverage at that point. Everything is all, to, you know, because if they don't want to pay you an earnout, right. whether whether you think it's justified or not, they just don't have to pay you. They can right. come up with some claim, they can come up with some reason. They don't have to sue you to not pay you. It's on you to sue them and that's expensive. Right, right. So, so the bottom line is, you know, and I think this is what I think both, of us have said, make sure that the money you're getting up front is you're happy with just that money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I lecture every client on this. I say it on every public statement. Like, like it's the first thing when I meet a client, I say it's, 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 it's gravy. It's got to be gravy. Right. If it's not, then, you know, I would say, like, if you're going to, if you're not getting this earnout or stability payment or whatever is going to cause you to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge because you feel like you just, you know, then don't, this ain't the deal for you. Don't right. do it. Right. You know, make that deal. Make the deal where what you walk away with at the closing table is is enough. And and so and, what are the what are the multiples? So we, you know, I think last year. Yeah, that was the original part of the question. Six, yes. seven. Yeah, we got in a good, yeah. good discussion there. Uh six, seven X, right? Like type multiples. I mean, it uh, was last crazy. Year. It it really trended. Yes, the second half of last year. Um, it really trended. Whereas, like, you know, in the first half when I was on your podcast last year. Um, you know, coming out of the first quarter, I think we did it was around, around a little earlier than this time last year. Um, you know, I was kind of seeing like, you know, if you were under a million, you know, you were typically looking at three and a half ish at close, you know, that under, was under a million some, uh, profit, right? EBITDA profit, SDE, discretionary earnings, EBITDA, depending on how you calculate it. Yep. Save that discussion for another time. But um, depending on where you were in the profit spectrum, right? If you were under a million, you kind of, you kind of stayed under four. That's kind of how it was, you know? But like, you know, 2018, 2019, it was like, you were under three. I mean, the mar- there was no market. There was nothing, right? There's two buyers. There was like Upsilon and Ferasio. I don't think there was anybody else. Right. So it kind of gradually ticked up. Um, and and uh, 101, Gojo, those are the, yep. other, the other one I read. 101 that Commerce, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the, the way it was then. And then it just like slowly ticked up. But yeah, it's just like, it's almost like right after we had that podcast, like, and, and I think you were even questioning me on the most, like that you said, you, you kind of thought they were a little higher. And like literally after all of a sudden the LOI start coming in and I'm like, holy buckets, people who have under a million are getting five X, six X at close, right? Um, eight X, six. I mean, we, you know, I don't think I ever saw anything above eight, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I think like six, seven, you know, but, but the idea was once you break a million, you're in a new bucket, right? right. And every million over that you get into a newer, you know, you get into higher multiple, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily jiving like that. Sometimes you would see, you know, just randomly, like, here's a company that's doing $400,000 and they're getting a 6X. Okay. You know? And you start yeah. to wonder, like, you, might, you know, you're telling your client, like, you know, these are, 
this is probably the most expensive area of law that we do, right? Like most of the stuff we do, it's, you know, Amazon, like that's pretty low level. It's pretty easy to handle, file a trademark, you know, it, right. it's, it, this, this is by far the most complicated body of law that, you know, as a, as a law firm for Amazon businesses we do. And you start to, you know, just say to client, you know, like, I just want to warn you, like this, you're almost like, this seems so unrealistic. Like they're so off the wall. No, they closed. Right. Now, damn it. They were closing. They were closing. They were closing at these multiples. So the multiples were skyrocketing. Um, right. like crazy and, and, you know, people are getting competitive bidding offers. Like, you know, and, and, you know, you could, you could do that. Great, um, great some, time to, great time to sell. I, I, that's, that's kind of what I'm hearing. I mean, a lot of my clients from last year, even if they're not getting there now, it's like looking at where we are, cause let, let me right. tell you where we are now. Yes. We're, we're, we're in 2018. We're not seeing people getting above a three. I have, I have clients who are doing millions that are getting, uh, multiple, multiple millions that are getting less than four. How has that affected like the volume of, of, of deals? Because I imagine, well, a few things are happening, right? Some of the aggregators are either paused or significantly yes. more cautious or only wanting bigger deals. At the same time, sellers are probably feeling like, you know, for 2X. Not the best time. Yeah. I'll, for 2X, I'll just keep running the business. Right. For 2X, I'll just keep running the business. Or if I'm down over last year, because like you said at the beginning, if I'm down less than 10%, I'm on the top rung. Right. That's not the best time. You know, that's not when you want to present yourself for sale because then you just feel like, you know, that's not really the best time. Right. right. So you, you got all these things work. And, but, um, you know, it's interesting. We still have deal flow. I mean, we closed, um, we're still closing deals, but it's definitely the deal pace is slow. I actually enjoy the pace right, right now. Right. Um, complexity has gone up because now the private equity guys are, you know, super paranoid. They want more. So, you know, give you an example. I did a deal uh, this year. The law firm on the other side, I mean, it had, I, I, my opinion had no, but this is a law. When I worked at Microsoft, like, uh, how long ago was that? It was a long time ago. Um, over 10 years ago, right? It would be like the law firm we hired at Microsoft, right? So this is a law firm that caters to the top companies in the world. Right. And now they're on the other side of my deal. Right. That was like, you know, it was big. You know, it was definitely um, eight figures deal, but it wasn't like, even then, you know, like so that's, a, that's a law firm for the aggregator. Yeah. The, the aggregators, the private equity people demanded, they hired one right. of the world's best law firms, like the right. law firm that does work for me. So here I am, right. I'm like, why are, and I'm looking at these guys I'm like, why are you here? This is, so, this is like, this is a mid market deal. This is not, right. you know, this is a blip, right? You know, you're used to, you know, um, you know, hundred million or, plus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You're, 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 you're helping Elon Musk by Twitter. That's what right. you're doing. And now right. you're here with me. And it's funny. Cause like, you're thinking I'm like, your legal bill is probably more than this deal because like you're sitting <laughs> on a call and they got 10 lawyers on every call. Like, right. you know, just most of them just listening, but billing, cause that's the leverage model of big law firms is you just right. have 10 lawyers on every call and then you, they're all billing at the same time. Right. Which when your clients Microsoft, they don't care as much. That's the theory. Right. right. So why are they here? So, I mean, that's the thing. Complexity has gone up. The pace is slower. Like the, the time from, from start to finish is now it's, it's much longer, you know, whereas before you could be on an accelerated pace where, you know, from, you know, when you first get the APA, it could be two weeks, it could be a month, it could be two months at most. Usually what, what, what is, what is the deal taking now from like, oh, like three months? I mean, they get, they get stalled for funding issues. A lot of deals fell through. We had a lot of deals coming in January. And I got to say like we, a lot of them fell through early. A lot of them to get diligence, the buyer. The, and that was one the, of, the, one of the selling points 
uh, a lot of aggregators, I don't know if they still have this on their sites. But oh, yeah, they love it. Yeah, the quick close. Yeah. One of the early selling points was 30 days to close. You know, week one, we, you know, we evaluate and give you an offer. Week two, term sheet, negotiate, you know, move to close. Less than 30 days, you know, done deal. And we always tell our clients that that's actually to your detriment. The reason they want a quick close is because they don't want your lawyer to, they don't want you to spend time lawyering the document. And what the document is, it's 100% screw power. We call it a buyer favorable agreement. It means it's 100% their ability. So for example, you mentioned the price of uh, shipping containers, right? Like, you know, they could say, oh, well, you didn't, you know, the, 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 the price of shipping containers was, was, was this material adverse effect. You didn't, you know, disclose that, you know, we're going right. to ding you here. You know, they had so much. So that's what we fight. Like, I literally put that in, I had an article called, Are You Shipping Me? With a P, not a T, uh, and it was about the uh, about all the freight because we just wanted to put in this. Like, you can, hey, you know, you should know what's going on in the macro environment, but just you know, we're we're just very cautious our clients because we want to protect them from exactly what's going on here. You know that the buyer is going to get remorse and start going after sellers, and yeah. and you know, people always just say, oh, but they'll never do that. You know, Thrasia would never go after me, or so and so would never go after me because they have the reputation. Well, you know what? When they're failing. Right. And it's the private equity guys behind them that are losing money. They don't care about the reputation. Anymore. Right. They want their money. So that's, that's the fear. And we're in an environment now where like, you know, I stand by what we do as a law firm. But yeah, it does make it slower, but it's for your protection. And, and I can, I can personally vouch that uh, Paul has helped me on a, on a number of, of legal matters in the last couple of years. And yes, you know, you want things to move quickly and just want to sign. And it can feel frustrating when like, you know, he's bringing up a problem to you, but at the end of the day, it's protecting you. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's sound advice that, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I would say in working with you, you've said to me, look, this, you can decide, you know, I think it's a very small chance. It's a 1% chance that this can happen up to you if you want to fight it or not. Right. And that's, or, and that's a personal decision. I think you need to make on the deal, but having that information, um, and a lawyer that actually tells you and is looking to protect you, you know, um, I've never, uh, you know, Paul, Paul has done a great job personally for me in making sure that, uh, you know, you really feel like he's fighting for you and looking, looking to, you know, protect you. Well, uh, that really, that's really, really kind of you to say, and I appreciate that. And I do love working with you and, and the, the fun things that we've, we've worked on have, have always been, been interesting, but what you just said there was absolutely a hundred percent my point. I always tell my clients, I said, at the end of the day though, you're always the bus driver, not right. me. Like, I'm going to tell you, I hate this thing. I think this is right. terrible, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to abandon you. Right. I'm not going to walk away from you. Right. I had to do that once and, I, and it felt really bad. It was, it was so awful. I'm like, I just, you know, and, you know, I, I think I, you know. Well, you, you also have a certain sense of liability yourself, right? Because if right, you, because you feel like you haven't, right. But if, if a client signs something, they, and they, and you didn't warn them. They can go right, turn around and see worry you. about it. Right. And that's right. why we sometimes we have letters. We have to write letters to clients. We have to write emails saying, you know, this is highly risky, um, you know, and, and that's what we do sometimes. If it's, if it's one of those cases that this is, you know, you, you could be sued, you could lose this. Um, there are those times. And we had a deal where they wanted, you know, to the, the whole deal was structured under the law. It was going to be structured on the law of a country that I don't even know. It's like, you know, right. um, and you're like, uh, and I'm explaining to this person who's 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 on this side of this side of the hemisphere, right? Uh, and I'm saying, like, you know, your your problem is is that they're going to have all your assets. So it's like it's like you're going to sell your car to this person, but they're only going to pay you after they go to the DMV and title it in their name. Right. You're going to give them the car. Right. And if anything goes wrong, 
Like they still right. change you. So, they get... so that's so that's like basically until they transfer over the seller account to their name, and if something goes wrong, you're not getting paid. Yeah, and, right. and, and but but to boot, you have to go sue them in some country I've never heard. Of. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know what I mean. Like you have to in, under the jurisdiction of that country and the courts of that country. I mean, right. Good luck. Good luck. Right. You'll you'll take anything at that point. I mean, they they can literally and and you know and it's and, and at the time it's like you know new aggregators were popping up left and right. I didn't know this. I'm like I don't know who you are. I've right. never worked with you. Right. I worked with a lot of you, but it's like you know new ones just pop up. Like, oh, you just got your funding yesterday. Right. So I mean, it's like I don't even have a reputation to trade on. Right. So you know, but those are the kinds of crazy things we see. But you know, at the end of the day, if my client in that situation chooses that he wants to do it, I mean, we'll back, we'll support him as much as we can. Right. You know. Um, maybe we'll and, push and to it, at least get U.S. law and arbitration in that country because maybe that's right. better. Maybe that's better for you know. Um, but it's always it, their decision. And at the end of know? the day, I mean, the the whole aggregator space, you know, is you know there are pros and cons to it. Like the the aggregators really opened up a huge opportunity for a lot of people to exit their business that maybe there weren't that many buyers before for the business, and obviously drove up the multiples last year, and a lot of sellers benefited from it. On the other side. You also now have competitors that are playing with, uh, you know, with with more money, um, and um, you know are, are competing with you. So I mean, there's there's pros and cons. You know, uh, I don't think it's, it's all negative. I don't want to be a shit earlier. I'm part yeah. of my cursing here, but yes. Do you ever wonder? You know, because I kind of said this. I don't remember. It was some random Facebook post where I said, you know, it's like, or maybe it was in business sense. I don't remember where I said this, but it's like it's like, you know, there's China, right? Yes. And then it's like the aggregators kind of become the new China. Like, are you going to get into this market if you've got these big private equity backed companies in it? Right? Are you going to get into that? Right. Are you going to go into that? And then the question is, do you, I don't think Amazon likes them. I, I mean, is it possible that there's I mean, some, some? So my understanding is, you know, uh, a few things. One, you know, I think that Amazon doesn't mind them. For the, I think there's benefits to Amazon that Amazon sees because when aggregator buys the business, they're professionalizing yes. the, the listing. For they're, they're may, they can't afford to get sued for not having the <laughs> at least. List. At least now they are. Some of them, yes. I mean, believe it or not, some, I mean, there was no due diligence in a lot of the deals. But part of the reason we would do so much in the disclosure side is because they were literally just disclaiming it. It's like, like, we're not going to look at due diligence. I'm like, did you do the diligence? Like, no, right. they, they didn't do anything. Right. They would, they just didn't care. They were just like, you know, just hungry to get the brand going. We'll and deal with it later. There, there's so much competition. Yeah. Um, to buy. They didn't but, have, they didn't have like, you know, compliance experts on their team. They didn't have lawyers who were new that into stuff. And so we ended up having to do this stuff to protect our client. But, but, but you're right. I mean, a so, lot so of it grew into that. Yeah. So in theory, right. You are, you have insurance, you're making sure the products are hopefully, because you have bigger life potential yeah. liability yeah. That, the, that you have the right certifications on the, on the things you're making, hopefully making the listings better and professionalizing the space. So I think that's a benefit to, um, to, to Amazon. I think where I agree. I agree. I think where potentially Amazon might have an issue is if an aggregator got so big that they had some power over Amazon, Bingo. right? Bingo. Now, today, I don't think that's the case. I mean, wow. even, even Thrasio, right? Let's say who's, you know, I think the biggest, I don't know their brand count today. It's probably in the two to 300 range in terms of how many brands they have is what, what I think it is. But that's still minute, right? In terms right. of like the, it's a, the it's thousands. It's a drop in the Amazon bucket, It's right? a drop in the They're Amazon doing... bucket. 
But yeah. I mean, how would Amazon feel if Thrasio, if somebody could come in and buy, you know, 60% of all the brands out there, right? Or, or whatever the private label brands, then I think they have the power to create their own marketplace. They have the power to, you know, they have power over Amazon. And I think that they would have, you know, uh, a, a, an issue with, but it's not the, it's not the case. Um, you know, it's not the, it's not the case today. It's the same reason, like, Amazon loves the Chinese sellers because they bring down prices. They're able to source really quickly, uh, even despite all the manipulation and the and the black hat. Right? They, there's a certain benefits uh, that they bring to that they bring to Amazon, which is why Amazon embraced them. So my understanding was, to some of the aggregators, they do seem to have sort of like internal connections at, at Amazon, etc. So I don't think Amazon is anti, and and I think if they were, they would do more enforcement of selling the seller central account and. All this stuff that apparently again something we put in every we put right. every deal document we put because everyone like and everyone thinks I'm crazy like you might know, but yet have you noticed lately Amazon there's a, a you know suspension when you get the related account suspension there's one of the three things I have not sold my Amazon account is one of the three things you have to attest to huh. and I'm, I put it in every every document I am adamant for my clients that like like because there's this concept that you have to promise that you have consent of Amazon to right. go into the transaction it doesn't say it explicitly it says you have the consent of all required parties. And I'm like, you don't get Amazon's consent. They're like, oh, but we right. just email Amazon and say we're making changes. And then they say, sure. Wait, but you're not right. telling them that you sell the account, right. which is a direct, you know, and everyone's like, are you just being paranoid? I'm like, no, I'm not. They, it's, it's right in there. We know how accounts get shut down. That's one of those things that we do drives people nuts, but it's like, this is what we do to protect our clients. And again, our close rate's high, uh, very, very high. Um, right. You know, but it, I just love that you, I didn't mean to jump in on you, but yeah. another thing, I, I would agree with you. I, I think the, I think you're right. Like, I think there's, there's in some ways, Amazon appreciates the fact, because especially now that they're going to be liable, like the courts have moved towards the direction that like they are Amazon. If somebody gets right. killed using your product, it's Amazon who's going to get sued. Right. I mean, you may get sued too, but I mean, right. they're going after Amazon. That's why they're enforcing store. having insurance and, you know, mm-hmm. other but you also have, remember, look, do you remember who invested in Bing? Uh, I just gave it away. Remember who invested in Berlin last year? Berlin Brands, like around this time? Bank, uh, Bank Capital, last year? you were saying? Bank Capital, yeah. right. So right. does Amazon want Bank Capital in their pond, right? Do they want right. big, big dogs? And that that could be a power struggle. And then I think something you said too about China is, here's where I think it lies. I think the cons- I think they're cautious and I think they're, they're watching with, with, with close guard about what's going on. Um, but I think the concern is this, is that they love China, like you said, because they can bring price down. And to me, Amazon, to me, in a way, Prime and Amazon is really just Costco. It's, it's they want you to be a member. They want you to right. find a membership to be value, valuable. Right. If, a, if, if, I, if, if the consumer doesn't think Prime is a valuable thing to have, that's a disaster in their mind. Right. And so that's why they always nail you on price, uh, pricing errors, because they don't mm-hmm. want you to be able to do a Google search and see that, oh, I could have gotten cheaper as a non-Prime member, right? That's a disaster. It's the same thing. They want competition. They need competition to bring the price down um, to make prime membership valuable to the consumer. If the aggregator can come in and dominate like China, but can drive price up because they're the dominant player and nobody right. can come in, that's what I think they're worried about. And that's why they want to make sure China is not going to be um, you know, influenced by aggregators or taken out of the picture because then they're going to apply upward price pressure. That's my theory right. but that's like my underlying crazy analysis of amazon since i've been spending right. my life in this world right. so i want to i want to yeah. switch gears um uh to another to another uh topic here but just to, to, to finish off on the current state of the market basically multiples are are lower um and you know if 
uh, you know, you, you want to think of now is a good time to sell or, you know, if you want to continue to scale, um, you know, and grow your business um, where perhaps multiples may get better if the, if the environment uh, improves or if some of these aggregators are able to turn around a little bit and improve their, uh, improve their, you know, operations. I think many spent more on building their M&A teams than building yeah, sure. their operational teams um, and are now kind of learning that lesson. And also more seem to be keeping on the founders um, is what I'm seeing, or they want to keep on the founders to continue to, to run yeah. the business. Yeah, and that's, that, that's the fatal, that's actually something I was trying to get to earlier, but you know, I keep yeah. you know how I fly from one thing to another, um, you know, solid attention span here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, that's the one thing we noticed that was changing between earlier years and later is that keeping the owner on as an operator for a longer term is now, man, like the, the idea Standard. was back in the day. Yeah, you do maybe. Are you seeing that even, even with Thrasio or not necessarily? Or are they I haven't seen, I, haven't, I mean, I haven't seen Thrasio in a while. So like I said, it's been slow. Like, I mean, right. I, I don't mind it. I actually, after the year I had last year, it just, it was so much, right. so crazy. Like we're, I mean, it's a, it's a good pace. We like it. We like where yeah. we're at. We love it. Um, I don't know if I want, you know, I think last year we did a lot of smaller deals. What ended up happening was the smaller deals became just as difficult as the bigger deals, right. but we can't, but then you can't really build a client for the small. And so it's harder. Right. You know, that's the, the thing I have to worry about going forward is because I really do want to serve everybody. You know, we're an Amazon right. seller advocacy law firm. We want to serve. I don't care if you're, I don't want to just choose the big guy. Right. Right. But we have, you know, we have new associates, right. We have, we have new people on board so we can use, you know, their lower rates to scale to that. So right. we continue to serve. So we had to adjust to that, but we had a lot of, you know, we weren't turning people down last year. We were just like, yeah, we'll take, you know, um, but yeah, that, that has, um, but that has become like, like mandatory. It used to be 40 hours in the first week, you know, first month or so, you know, up to 40 hours. And then it'd be like, you know, another 40 to 60 hours over the course of the next six months. And really, they didn't really want you that long. They wanted you for like a week. You were done, right? They just wanted to make sure that they could find everything they needed. Once they right. felt they got it, you were gone. You're on the beach, right? And yeah, that that to me is that is standard, not the case anymore. Um, I don't know about Thrasio, like I said, but in the deals that we're seeing, it's it's in and that's sort of the um, and from some other aggregators I've talked to, that's sort of the the mentality is that like operator operators is what wins the day, and not having operators right. is part of what the problem was, and right. so they need you to stay as an operator. So people who want to sell their business and just check out right away, that's not going to happen in the aggregator market. Now, maybe somewhere else. Right. Right. And that's the other thing to consider. If you're big enough, like you, maybe you don't need an aggregator, maybe go somewhere right. else. Right. You know, I always say, come talk to me. It's the one time we do free consultation. It's such a huge life decision. It's the most, it's usually the biggest thing that ever happens to somebody. You know, for most of our clients, like the biggest thing that's ever happened to them is this, this transaction. So, you know, out of respect, like we do, this is the one area where we can kind of like offer free consultations and, and take a little time. Um, you know, we can't do that with trademarks. We can't do it because it's, right. it's just too much too, you know, that's why we have seller basics. Right. Um, but, you know, contact us, you know, we know M&A brokers, we know people outside of the Amazon space that know how to sell businesses. We can, you know, put feelers out. Um, we don't do brokers. We don't charge commissions. We're just, you know, we're lawyers who charge hourly rates, but we know, you know, we know what's going on. And, you know, even, even if you hire a broker, come talk to us first because your broker contract needs to be negotiated. You don't even, the, right. the broker contracts suck. Right. You know, so I just, I encourage you, you know, don't, don't assume that, you know, like, you know, this is a very general discussion mm -hmm. we're having, but yep. everyone's situation is unique. So if, if, if you sell you this, something you want to do, even if it's like, I don't care if you're our client today, I, I want you to be my client. I don't care if you're my right. client today or in three years, I'd like to meet you today, whenever you want, right. come talk to us. 
right. you're thinking about selling your business, you know, we, we, we love speaking to people. Right. And, and it makes, them. it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. I, I'd say, you know, you think, okay, I'm going to, I want to sell in six months. I want to sell in a year. It's a good idea to have a conversation and to have an attorney and um, yeah, we'll fill you in and, and, and just talk to you. And, and when you're ready, you're ready. You know, it's not, we're not, we're, we're anything, but like, like I said, I don't really care if you're my client. I, I really do want you to be my client, but I don't care right. if it happens today or three years. It's like a lot of, I think the most bittersweet sweet thing about last year was that a lot of the deals we did, not a lot of the deals, but I mean, a good chunk of the deals we did for clients that I knew, who knew me when I was just talking about taxes, that was the topic that brought me into Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I got a little bit typecasted. I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, right. do more tax. But it's cool that like people who are making less than a million dollars, right? But people are making less than, you know, in sales, not even right. profit, right? Four years ago, were now coming to me and they were doing 10, $15 million deals. I mean, that was really cool to see. Like, you know, people, I'm like, hey, I haven't heard from you in years. I'm like, where are you? Oh, about to sell my business for 15 minutes. Like, my God, when I met you, you were barely making 200 grand. <laughs> right. You know, that was always fun. That's always bittersweet to see. I was always, always happy yeah. to see that. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, exactly. I want to switch gears with you. I don't want to keep, yeah. keep going. Okay. So, so I want to I ask you about a different, a different thought um, as we switch to this, but definitely highly recommend you talk to Paul if you're, if you're looking to, to sell your business. Um, because also Paul has a good view, right, of what's happening because he's exactly. we just have deals, a view. the deals on the market, who's buying, well, what are they buying? What are the deals like? How easy or difficult are they to work with? Um, etc. Um, but I want to ask you about this um, Amazon going in this direction of buy with Prime. Um, and oh yeah, you saw my post. You saw yeah. Okay, uh, I, I, I saw a, a little bit of a conversation, but um, what what do you think about this? Uh, Amazon is wants you to put code on your site. Um, I actually had a sort of confidential conversation about this with Amazon last week as well too, um, about some of the fees that are going to be involved, etc. Um, but essentially, Amazon wants to be, uh, there's a great article on uh, stratetory.com um, on Amazon as a service. Um, mm -hmm. Andy Jesse, who's a CEO, started AWS, which kind of is the underlying of, of a, what a lot of, uh, of the data and cloud of what powers the internet. And Amazon wants to do that in e-commerce. So what is Buy With Prime? For those that haven't heard, uh, Buy With Prime will allow you to put a snippet of code on your D2C website, Shopify, BigCommerce, wherever. And people who are Prime customers will be able to see, you know, buy with Prime button, um, or they'll be able to check out with buy with Prime. The merchant processing will be done through Amazon Pay, and then the fulfillment will come from Amazon. Now, Amazon has already offered this before, but now it's Prime shipping through the fulfillment of Amazon, so one to two day shipping. Um, and you know, you don't actually have to sell on Amazon to have that. You can just have your inventory there, um, and Amazon will do the fulfillment for you. So. Why is this, I think, a big power move on Amazon side? Well, you know, Shopify, for example, just bought Deliver. So they just bought a huge, you know, fulfillment company. Um, Shopify also makes a lot of its money on merchant processing. And by doing this, Amazon is taking away both of those things from Shopify. They are doing the merchant processing. So they'll charge, you know, 2.4% or whatever, plus 30 cents, pretty similar rates of what's out there, they'll charge you a fulfillment fee, you know, five bucks, four, four or five bucks for, for, the, for the shipping. Uh, and then there's gonna be an added fee um, uh, sort of per, uh, per product. Um, and they're gonna do the shipping for you. I think my opinion is that this will be, you, you know, should help D2C sites heavily improve their conversion rates because people who are prime customers will now be able to get their shipping really quickly. And, you know, it'll be effective for conversion rates and perhaps you'll need to rely less on Amazon selling um, than, 
you know, uh, and you could do more on your D2C site, but I want to hear your perspective on mm-hmm. sort of Amazon sort of owning more of a piece of the pie of sort of the entire market here. And what are the, maybe some of the negative consequences that, you know, maybe I'm not thinking about or ramifications of this, if, if this does get sort of uh, mass adoption. So I, I see this in a very different light. So just a little bit of background about me for those watching, you know, so I do this nonprofit trade association. So I try to get sellers together in the online merchants guild and we advocate for Amazon sellers and we, we try to stay on and we're going to actually have a big thing, big thing coming out this week because taxes is happening and the new tax issues coming out. It's going to be really bad. We're going to talk about that next. We're going to do an open town hall next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we advocate for issues that are important e-commerce businesses. A lot of them are Amazon sellers because that's just how we were formed. We were formed during an Amazon crisis uh, around sales tax. It's not just tax, right? We did price gouging during the pandemic was a big issue for a lot of clients. Antitrust, the you know, breaking up Amazon, right? We were the most cited resource in the government's, the, 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 the House uh, Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust Investigation of Amazon. Our work, our research, our statements we're the most cited resource. Um, our lawyers have been quoted by Congress and you can watch Congress and they're, they're reading our emails on live on, mm-hmm. you know, talking about Amazon. So, so I view this from a very different lens and this relates to, a, I wrote a CNN editorial about four years ago and it says prime should be free for everyone. Now that's mm-hmm. not what I meant. They, they, the, 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 whoever, you know, took, took the final cut and wanted the title, but you know, and everyone's thinking like I'm saying Prime should be free. And I was talking about how like you know Amazon basically built the railroad of e-commerce, and that's an expression you hear. Yeah, you, you've um, spoken. We've spoken. You we spoke about this on Clubhouse podcast or so. Yeah, time back right. where you said if if Amazon were to be broken up, it should be the sort of Prime that gets everybody gets access to it. Walmart, Target. Right. Everybody. That's the railroad because it's the you know because the fact of the matter is America has a prime addiction and Amazon achieved that through some integrant, you know, unnatural, maybe anti, you know, arguably anti-competitive ways. You know, they, they had a lot of, a lot of things going for them that really probably they shouldn't have on the front end. And that's sort of where we see the interest is that they kind of got to this world where now everyone in America is a prime member. And I don't care what you say, like pretty much everybody, except for those who just, you know, I, I hate Amazon. I don't want to be, prime, but pretty much, you know, Every it was like 100 million house or 80 million households in the United. I don't even know what it is, but my guess is, plus. yeah, yeah. So if you're not, a, you know, maybe the ones that aren't are the kids. Your kids in college are just using their parents' prime membership. But I pretty right. much assume most people are prime members right. in America, right? So you, we're addicted to it. We're stuck. So no matter what Shopify does, like they're not going to get because we don't. Americans don't think of Shopify as a unified thing, right? They're just right. individual websites, right? Right. So people don't know Shopify. Any, Right. They don't the even average, know what they're the Shopify. Right. right. Now, if Amazon wanted to be anti-competitive, what they would have done was would have just made their own Shopify, Amazon, right? Like, mm-hmm. If they really wanted to hurt Shopify, I think they would have just made their own version because wouldn't most of us just use the Amazon version of Shopify integrated right. with Prime? That I think would get them in huge trouble with regulators. Mm-hmm. So because you know, so much of what our research was about was about the fact that yeah, Amazon owns the e-commerce railroad. That's what Con- Congress was saying during during the hearings last year. Uh, that was last year. My memory's fading. Um, and and so what they're trying to do is they're trying to stay because they're afraid of being broken up. They're afraid of regulation. I don't think I really don't think much is going to happen on this front. Like I really think that the the, the, the legislation is stalled. I don't think that um, and even the legislation that's passed. It, it's just 
opens them up. There's so much litigation, like nothing will happen for deck. I mean, it's just, right. it's, it's, it's looking good for Amazon, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately. Right. I, I just like fairness, whether it's good or bad fairness for the Amazon seller, for the merchant is all I, right. all we care about in e-commerce. Right. Um, so what this does though, is it, yeah. It, so now when you go to these unfamiliar websites as a shopper, right, you see prime, you know, oh, I'm going to get the two day shipping. I'm addicted to that. Right. So it makes you like, it allows companies to open up and, and, and allows people to kind of like wake up and see products outside of Amazon, right. Products that are in, right. So I, all in all, I think it's, it's Amazon's way of being proactive and saying, Hey, here, look, we've, we've liberal, we, we've liberated the e-commerce railroad. Now everybody can use it. We don't do preferential rates for us. Everyone pays right. the same. Right. And I think that's what I think this is. And I will never admit this to you. I mean, of course they'll never right. say that. They'll say it's a strategic, you know, but it, it doesn't really make sense to me that that's, it's a move against Shopify. I think they just, you know, they're well, listening. But it, is, it is a move to get more fulfillment fees and uh, they will be charging a percent of the sales. Um, yeah, I mean, they get a cut, but what, yes. what is, but you're still oh. doing it through Shopify. Yes. So right. Shopify is still getting something. I mean, they, they could have cut the, Shopify out. Yes, right. So one of my thoughts on this is, is this the first entry point? To, no, because if they cut uh, Shopify out, then they're going to get broken up. That's what I'm saying. You got to right. say they're, they're having been in companies that have been almost broken up. Um, Microsoft, for example, like I, you have to kind of understand the culture in there right now. Like the culture in a Fortune 10 company right now, when you're in under that scrutiny, is everyone has to be very like like they're getting lectures. People who work in Amazon get lectures on what they can say in emails. Don't right. use words like we can dominate. Don't use words like we'll right. crush them. Like they're right. being told like stop. It. like you right. have to act a certain way the last thing they want to do is take out shopify so, right so so you think this is actually amazon proactively opening up prime further because of concerns about legislation because they're and, trying and to show the regulators that they can you don't have to break up amazon to liberate or maybe they're going to say it didn't work and say see even if you did it see it didn't make a difference right maybe right. they say Maybe it's a test thing. They do it for a year and say, no, nah, nobody right. really cares. Still more people came to Amazon than Shopify. So, right. you know, Paul's theory and CNN and, and, and the antitrust committee, whatever, it's all, you know, they're wrong, right? Because right. it didn't work, right? Who knows? Right. You know, Amazon does a lot of program, pilot programs that go nowhere. So it right. could be one to disprove the theory that the, 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 and say, we're not the e-commerce railroad. See, it didn't matter. Um, but I think, I, you know, but, but I definitely don't think it's, I, I, I fundamentally think it's being done um, as a sort of a proactive concession to the antitrust scrutiny that they're under uh, to sort of deter the legislation from actually passing or right. any other action and saying, hey, you know, getting getting Congress to see, hey, look, we're, we're, we're look, we open it up. What, we're what, freeing what up the internet. There we go. Yeah. We, right. we, other people can use the railroad too. So Bloomingdale's has no excuse because now Bloomingdale's can be prime, right? right. Bloomingdale's can be prime now right. under this program. Eventually, you know, this right. program goes to a natural conclusion right blooming right. still offer prime right so 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 here we are so right. i i don't i i don't think it's a play i don't think amazon is in a position to steal data like, like i don't buy it because i, I don't think amazon wants to steal data but i think they realize d2c is a big business and now they have another revenue source from they do but they can't they, they're in a position right now where they can't really use the data to their advantage in a retail right. environment they, right. they can't their hands are tied if they get right. if they were the amazon of yesteryear yes but they're the scrutiny that they're under right you know that, that it's like if they start using that data to compete and then knock out another ginormous competitor or just right. compete against sellers like i mean remember 
despite all this, what is Amazon's, what are all, what are Congress keep accusing Amazon of doing? What is the one thing they keep accusing Amazon of doing? Actually killing not third, even party, third party seller data and killing a little bit. Yeah, but did that really happen that much? Not as much right. as people think. Is that really right. the, how much is Amazon's total private label sales? It's de minimis right. compared to the right. rest of what goes on in Amazon. Even, even 1P is less than 3P, right? So right. it doesn't make sense. To, to it doesn't make any sense, but it's, it's, it's so polarizing and captivating to, to, to paint that picture. That's why Congress, but it's kind of a red herring. And I think Amazon likes it because I think at any given moment, they can pull the plug on the criticism, but they like the Congress. They're kind of saying, yeah, keep looking over there. You're going to find your clues over there. Because right. Congress is kind of dumb. I mean, like, you know, you got member. Do you remember a couple of years ago? I always say this on podcasts, right? There was a member of Congress, a member of our Congress reelected, asked Mark Zuckerberg, right? How did he make any money on his pro on Facebook without charging people? Right. Use I mean, this is who this is who's investigating this. Right. right. Now, there are some smart people on obviously under these people, these subcommittee attorneys and stuff. But but there is a bit of a red herring here. And um right. You know, the head of the FTC, you know, wrote a whole paper about the subject of stealing Amazon data. So they're kind of committed to that being the, right. the marching order. I don't, and, and, and people I've spoken to, we all conclude it's just a red herring. It doesn't right. really, you know, so, they can apologize to those. They could probably give every single person they screwed over millions of, and, and it wouldn't, it'd be a blip. Right. In, in and so you, your, your thought on this buy with prime, essentially it's, it is positive for the seller um, and for I think it's intended to be outside. positive for the seller right. and, and, and positive for competition. And it's a way to say, you don't need to break us up. We can liberate right. our train. You know, we can let other people ride the train. We're not going to be abusive. We're going to let right. people, you know, and, you know, just so happens we have a ton of extra storage space anyway. Remember, right. remember last year, it was all about IPI scores. Like that was the other reason why aggregators, yes. you know, they're not supposed to take your account. But they always did, and, they, and the number one reason why they needed your account was because like they couldn't, they need an IPI score, right? There right. was no space left. Not, right. Now it's now, right. now, now Amazon is subleasing warehouses, right? Because they're down and their stocks down. I mean, today it's took another dump dive, but I mean it's down almost a thousand, a third from where it was yeah. earlier this year, right? Um, and and part of it is because they said they overexpanded on warehouse space, so right. now the network now they're too big, right? So they're so going to they, lay they have a lot of capacity to, they to do. take on so, that. I mean, uh, D to C fulfillment. Yeah, so I think yeah. they're in a good position to do it, and I think they're going to be under, you know, for at least for the time being, they're really in no position to to really, you know, do anything shady. advantageous with shade. They really aren't. I mean, they, right. they need that. And and again, I speak from somebody who spent most of my life in house in big companies. I work, you know, you know, Microsoft, Walmart, General Electric. Yeah. Right? There is a culture in house. People have this idea of what goes on in corporations, but it's actually a little bit. It's a lot different. Like, I mean, yeah, there's some evil companies out there that have done some evil stuff, but the culture of that has changed over the years where it's a lot more about being, you know, cautious and, right. you know, very, very careful because, right. you know, now everything's discoverable. Everything can be seen. There's no keeping secrets, um, you know. So, you know, there, there's a lot of paranoia at Amazon, I'm sure, at the legal side. And they're all saying, you know, just whatever you do. You know, it's got to be pro competition. Don't don't right. don't go crushing anyone. Don't go dominating. Don't go killing Shopify. You know, and and, and right. Shopify might actually benefit from this. I mean, that argument is that more people. Well, again, yes, D 2 C sales should be should increase as a result. Right. So they're going to see a benefit. They'll see more um, more people who are trying to succeed on Shopify because the conversion rates are better because Prime is available. And sellers win because now we actually get the market. We actually get the data. We get right. to know who our customer is. Right. Um, we get to know who those prime addicted people are. Right. And that's a new that's a new benefit. I mean, we kind of used to know, but you know, right. back in the day, it was illegal. You know, illegal. It was a violation right. of the BSA to use it. Now right. you're allowed to use it, right? I mean, right. I, I 
haven't looked deeply into how but that's no, I mean, you get, that's you get all, data. The data, all the emails the same right the same as you and would. you're free to market however you want correct. Not under no diversion correct. clauses or any of that stuff correct um i wonder if they're going to change the policy on no, i guess they wouldn't would they change the policy on no diversion where it's like well if you're diverting it to another site and Amazon, they, they probably are not going to change that. I don't think so. And I think they're going to probably also make sure to enforce that uh, you don't price lower, you know, on your site than... Uh, that to me is still shocking. They can still do that. I, yeah. I, that, that. The fact that that still happens, I mean, they're under big lawsuit out there because of that. And um, not even the one in DC, the one in uh, California, Berman, that, that lawsuit, I mean, where they're saying because of that, eBay is, is organic, becomes more expensive by way of that policy or Walmart becomes more expensive. Right. People are always going to price those other places up rather than price Amazon down. So it's right. basically like you know a form of uh, and price fixing. Right. Yeah, and it's anti-competitive. It's bad for the consumer. All the things that you know antitrust uh, class action right. lawyers love. I, you know, I can't the pricing areas, but I get it because it goes back to like I said. I mean, it's it's the it's if to me Amazon is obsessed with the member and the and the member having an experience, and if right. a member puts into Google a product and they say, oh, Amazon here. And if, oh, if I can buy it here, that's why they hate online arbitrage when you, you know, OA, right? When, right. You, when you know, the seller buys the product and then rather than delivering it through FBA or, you know, from your location, you go into Costco.com because you knew it was half price. Right. Type in the address of the customer on right. the person fulfilled and then the customer gets a Costco box. Right. And they see that you paid half price. Right. And that's right. what Amazon, that's why they hate OA. They right. don't mind OA when you take possession of the product or, or some some 3PL, you know, takes and then ship it, it into Amazon, ships it in Amazon or ships it in a different box. But if the customer right. knows it came from Costco or Sam's, but they bought it on Amazon, right. that's exactly what they're afraid of. They don't want the Prime member to see. They, they, don't want value. You to, they don't want you to shop to compare pricing anywhere else, essentially. Yeah, they want the Prime member has to believe that the best prices are on Amazon. And any right. evidence to the contrary damages the, 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 the reputation. The goodwill and reputation yeah. of Amazon and Prime, yeah. and that's disastrous. Um, yeah, it's, it's a crazy, crazy world. But um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting times, and I'm I'm interested to see how. I mean, it's such a storm of of things happening in the world right now, and I I don't know. You know, it's, it's a little yes. scary. It is. You know, a lot of, a lot of un uncertainty. Um, so uh, definitely appreciate you uh, you coming on. I think we had a lot of good conversation about the the current space of of buying um, some of some of these issues with. Uh, with Amazon, um, for, for those that don't know, Paul also runs something called Seller Basics, which helps sellers, very low cost way to get, you know, legal advice and protection, trademark, um, you know, you should check out Seller Basics. Free consultation, yeah, I mean, complimentary consultation. I mean, like I said, we don't do complimentary consultations, but with sellerbasics.com for 99 bucks a month, we got a, we, we just hired um, uh, Bethany Gall, uh, mm -hmm. great trademark attorney, has been in the Amazon space before. She's coming back, we brought her on the team. We've got Katie, you've got myself, we've got a yep. great operations team. Seller basics, I don't do, we, we, we can't do free consultations because we just, it's too much, we get a right. lot of inquiries, right? And I, right. I can't, you know, we, we make like $50 on a trademark. It's not, right. not something we make money on. We do it because we have to, right. right? It's part of being an Amazon seller, like law firm. Like that's, that's right. what we do. Right. Um, so I can't spend an hour on the phone with people explaining trademarks, but what we did was we created seller basis. So for 99 bucks a month, you can have a complimentary consultation on trademarks or anything else or a scary letter that you got. Or, right. you know, it's an insurance for also, if you have a membership, right, you get certain benefits if you're suspended or- Yeah, like if your um, account suspended, we don't even, we'll do what we can. I mean, it's insurance against the cost of like the consulting costs. Obviously we can't insure your losses, but it's, and it's not really insurance, but yeah, 
the idea is right. for the $99 a month, what the other thing we do is we, we have our suspension team. We'll do whatever we can outside of litigation to get your, you know, we'll do everything within our power, every appeal, POA, uh, if you're a reseller and you have intellectual property claims from brands, we deal with that all day long. I'm actually trying to make it go away by the end of the year. I hate those things. Nice. This, is, this is crazy. It's just enough of that. Um, uh, it, it's against Amazon policies to stop it. Stop using Amazon. There's another way to do it, and but stop using Amazon because Amazon says it's, it's against our policy. Right. But you know, if you're dealing with those, yeah, we, we basically make those things either really cheap or like you said, in the case of a full account suspension, um, you know, so it sort of works kind of like a discount. I call it like sort of like right. a business discount plan. So you get you know access to legal at a discount, access to Amazon suspension and advisory services at a discount. And we've got a great team, and it's ninety nine bucks a month. I mean, people spend you know crazy money on services, and I'm like, this is I, I don't know how to make it. And I think you know people just don't have this idea that lawyers are expensive and they're always trying to bill you by the hour and just bill you know. And that right. this, this is our way of just trying to get people because. And this is the last thing I'll say is that a lot of the times when our clients have really big problems, you know, maybe I have to recall a product, maybe they had a lot of those problems could have been solved, could have been prevented with 15 minutes of talking to one of us. Right. And it's too late at that point, right? Now right. you're on the hook, right? Now right. you're getting the government's at who somebody's after you, you're getting student class actions. Like that's 15 minutes might've actually saved you from this heartache. And so like by making a $900, I'm like, I, I'm hoping you'll take us up on our offer to, to guide you and give you a little bit of guidance and if more needs to be done it's discounted you get you're in a discount plan but you know it, our hope is that we can you know we're not a litigation or we are not a firm that wants our clients to go to court most of our clients cannot afford court it, there's no justice in the legal system when right. you go to court it's right. too expensive not at least not you know um and that's what we're trying to do. we're just trying to make it accessible make the law accessible make sure that small businesses get on the right path, the right LLC guidance, the right business structure guidance, whatever it is, whatever your Amazon business should need, you know, it's, it's there for you. And you can at least have a conversation about it with a lawyer who knows your situation, who knows your, who's going to know your situation and know, you know, how to give you the right advice. And you can do with it what you want. You don't have to listen. To it. Like you said at the beginning, you always have to listen to us, but right. you know, at least you'll know, and you'll know right. what your risks are and, and, and uh, I'll stop rambling because I'm good <laughs> no, at that. Uh, very, very useful. Um, check out sellerbasics.com. Um, also, ecomattorneys.com's e uh, Raffleson Law Firm. Um, and thanks so much for Paul for, uh, for coming on. Really uh, great conversation. I love coming on and talking to you. It's, it's the most interesting conversation I've had in a while on the subject matter. Um, and I appreciate it. I like that. I like this. So thank you. And thank I look so forward much. to talking to you soon. Sounds good.